Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marianne and Wanda. I'm Allie. And I'm Andy. And here we are. (laughs) Yet again. (laughs) Yet again. Can you believe? Yeah. I want to first apologize to everyone for dropping our episode late again. (laughs) We've been... uh, We've been going through it in the McCumber household, and sickness got a hold of me last week for sure. And yeah, it was a rough virus. But yeah, so I apologize mm-hmm. for putting out <laughs> episodes late the past couple of weeks. It's okay, it happens. <laughs> yeah, but they're out. <laughs> they're there. But they're there, and you yeah. can go check them out if you have listened. Yeah. Man, I tell you what, though, I don't know. I've never had a virus from that I got from daycare that bad mm-hmm. um like it wasn't like a vomiting diarrhea type of virus it was which i mean when you think of a virus that's most of the time at least what i think of like stomach virus <laughs> okay <laughs> but it wasn't that at all it was just like constant fever and then so much like drainage in my gross. throat that it was hard to breathe yeah it was it was pretty gross but man the like the the shivers and the sweats back and forth Oh, it was horrible. I stayed in the bed from like, I think I, I don't think I got out of bed hardly at all on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. I took four days. Wow. Yeah. It it really knocked you out. Yeah. And normally like when Rosie brings something home from daycare, which she's usually the one who gets sick, Mm -hmm. Adam almost always gets it, but I don't usually, or if I do, I get like just a hint of whatever the sickness is. Mm -hmm. This one took me out. Hmm. but yeah I'm back to normal now good we love to hear it (laughs) yeah it was it was so bad though that like she's got 12 kids in her class and the week that she had it there was only two kids there wow okay so it took everyone out (laughs) yeah it took the whole class out (laughs) yeah they said it was highly contagious oh and my eyes were like super gross yeah yeah but yes now that we're mostly back to normal we're uh, I don't know. Taking things a little bit slow, trying to get back into the swing of it. But yeah. I have craft fair this weekend, but it's supposed to rain, oh. and it's outside. So would they cancel it if it rains? I don't know. I haven't really gotten a whole lot of information about it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Watertown, and they have them. I mean, I've done this one the past several years. I'm sure they'll give me more information tomorrow. It's fine. It's really funny. <laughs> But yeah, so I have that on Saturday. Wow, big week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of lots of lows and then some highs. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Yeah, how's things going down there? I heard you have a visitor coming. I do. My mother's coming this weekend. Uh, it's Mother's Day on Sunday, of course, and then um, it's my birthday on Tuesday. So she's coming to hang out. Which so is exciting. when you hear this episode, it will be Al's birthday. Indeed. <laughs> Big day, May 16th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, we also got an exciting package today. I got Jose one of those little treat puzzle things <laughs> off of Chewy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's like, there's ones that you have to flip open, there's ones that you have to like lift off, and then there's ones that you have to slide. And he's really good at sliding, and he cannot lift stuff off. I have to do that for him. And he doesn't really understand the flipping thing, so we're working on it. But 
One out of three. Not great. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Uh, so he he's been I like want to give him some enrichment like he's an animal in captivity I feel like he doesn't get to do all that much and I feel bad so uh yeah so that we got that today it's exciting and I got him one of those little snuffle mats that you can put dry food in mm-hmm. so he can root around in there too so <laughs> big week that's funny yeah I also just started so I went to the library to get our book for this month which is black mm-hmm. cake of course mm-hmm. and i also went and picked up a sarah Dessen book and mm-hmm. it was the funniest experience because i knew that it existed at the library but i couldn't find the exact spot and it turns out that they just moved those types of books into a teen's room <laughs> so i had to go into the teen's room and then it wasn't actually on the shelf it was on a metal rotator thing like a postcards or whatever yeah so that was a whole experience, but it's that summer, which I haven't read before by her. Oh, and it's really weird. It's not the same. Wait, like, is that summer the one that was made into the movie on Netflix? No. Okay. Because I've read that one. Hmm. Yeah. All of her books kind of run together in my head, but they were all good. Yeah. This one's just very different. Yeah. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? So this week is the first short story in our new mini short story series. And the book is called Baby, You're Going to Be Mine by Kevin Wilson. And if you read Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson, the name should sound familiar. Same author. (laughs) (laughs) So in this collection of shorts, there's about 10 short stories in this book, Baby, You're Going to Be Mine. But the the short story that I picked for this week is the one that is named after the title. So it's called baby. You're going to be mine. Mm -hmm. And so this series of, or sorry, this um, book of short stories was published in August of 2018. And there's not a whole lot of um, press about it, honestly out there. And I mean, it's, it's very highly rated. But there's just not a whole lot of media attention surrounding it that I found anyway. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing today because I had also I was looking for interviews or podcasts or something on it. Mm-hmm. And it the thought just occurred to me that since it was published late in 2018, he just might not have gotten around to a press tour in the first year. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, and then it was the pandemic and there were right. fewer things. So I just don't know if maybe it was just a perfect storm or if he just doesn't care to talk about this book (laughs) but it had such good reviews like there was lots of um critics and and uh i think somebody from npr i don't know a lot of different people saying that it was a very good read but just not like you said not a whole lot of interviews or or anything like that about him um and this and this story yeah anyway but one thing I did find when I was looking things up is that nothing to see here is being made into a movie and Kevin Wilson is going to be the executive producer. That's exciting. Yeah. I I found that there has not been a date of any kind mentioned, but that in 2019, I guess shortly after that book was published, the the rights to the story were were um auctioned and sold. So it belongs oh. to somebody. I don't know who it is, but Kevin Wilson's going to be the executive producer, and it's being turned into a screenplay. 
Okay. Well, fingers crossed, but as we've learned with the Princess Bride, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be made soon. Okay, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but there's talk of it. There's talk, which is exciting. <laughs> yeah. We're thrilled. That was just a little fun fact I found when I was looking for information about this book. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. So, so the first story that we picked is Baby, You're Gonna Be Mine. And a quick synopsis of it is um, Baby, You're Gonna Be Mine. The title story is about a narcissistic rock star who moves back home during a rough patch. Mm-hmm. So the story's, I think it was probably what, like 25, maybe 30 pages. So yeah, not very not, long. Yeah, it's not very long at all. But my first thing I wanted to point out about it is that the synopsis particularly or specifically uses the word narcissistic rock star. Mm-hmm. When I was reading it, I wasn't really getting the impression that Adam, the main character, was a narcissist. Um, what? How did you feel about that? Did you think he was a narcissist? <laughs> Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Really? I didn't get feeling from him. He mostly seemed depressed for when he first moved back so he moves back from from portland where he's supposed to be a big time rock star but then he has to move back to uh close to nashville tennessee and as we i guess kevin wilson just puts every everybody in tennessee which i really like myself did it um did it mention a place in tennessee or did it just say tennessee uh i think it just said tennessee Mm -hmm. mentioned uh a it record did. store that is supposed yeah. to be in Nashville, and yeah. it mentioned a bar that's supposed to be in Nashville, but neither of those locations exist, I don't think. Oh. Um, definitely well, the record store doesn't. Well, assuming that they, this story was probably set somewhere around Nashville. Yeah, I get the impression that it was kind of like a Gallatin situation where they probably lived a little bit away, but then went right. to town to have their big performances. Right, yeah. <laughs> which is all fine, but he he moves back and he's mostly depressed, and that's his first impression that I got of him but mm-hmm. then I got the narcissism whenever whenever his mom Gina was talking to his girl who slept over Tina mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about him and she was talking about how he said he was like this big time rock star but he really hadn't been for like years like 10 years mm-hmm. and how he like none of it was his fault and he had to move back home like all of that little speech that he gave to Tina yeah, made it clear that he, like, very much so only cared about himself. He was, like, lying left and right. He first told her that he had been working manual labor for years. Like, all of this to me yeah. made it seem like he was narcissistic. I kind of just saw that more as, like, he's a liar and he has a big ego. But, I don't know, I didn't really consider it narcissistic. <laughs> I don't know, I guess, I think to me, if you have a big ego like that and all you care about is you, you, you... And the yeah. second that you get the opportunity to go back and play your music and be the frontliner again, like mm-hmm. he mentions, he also mentions how he should have just done a solo career and never even had to deal with a whole band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that definitely has some narcissistic tendency or quality, yeah. <laughs> but I thought for the most part, he seemed like he was decently level headed to talk to. And it seemed like he was agreeable in most things. Like when, his mom would say, like, hey, you know, three months is a while. Like, you should probably get a job. At first, he's like, ugh. But then he's like, okay. And, you know, it seemed like anything, any of the dialogue between him and his mom, it seemed like they 
carried on conversation well enough and that like he agreed with her with most things and like didn't put up a fight Mm -hmm. so I felt like for the most part he was pretty level-headed for considering you know your band equipment got stolen your band's breaking up you have to move home with your mom and you're 36 years old like and he cries a lot considering all of that (laughs) he's pretty level-headed to talk to considering he sits in the bathtub and cries for hours also I don't I don't think of narcissists as people who cry like to me a narcissist is too prideful to cry so that was another thing that I was like he's probably not a narcissist because even though he's crying in private he's still like audibly crying (laughs) I I guess to me I assumed that he probably thought his mom couldn't hear maybe but even still I feel like a narcissist in private would still be like I'm a man I can't cry (laughs) (laughs) I can't cry men don't cry real men don't cry Andy you know that (laughs) And he also didn't talk back when his mom disses him in front of Tina. Like, she's, I don't remember what it was she said exactly, but it was something about, like, you're not a real rock star or something. Yeah. And he doesn't. She was so brutally honest. Yeah. But even still, like, he didn't have a comeback or, like, say anything snarky in the moment. He just walked out the door and went to work. Like, that to me I was like he's probably not a narcissist because he doesn't like he didn't stand up for himself in that moment or anything like that he just kind of took it Mm -hmm. well I mean he did say no several times Uh, well yeah but then he came around I guess whatever she was wanting yeah yeah she was so I was gonna ask you about that because a lot of what we get from Kevin Wilson's story is sort of a, a depiction of the family situation in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you if you thought she was a good mom, because she does say to him, I think it's, you're not a rock star and you haven't been for a while now. You're just some guy that lives with his mom and works manual labor. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, wow, what a thing to say. Yeah. That was a pretty harsh, pretty harsh statement. Yeah. But do you think that she was a good mom? Like, she, her taking him in and, like, making him get a job, all of that. Like, how do you feel about her as a parent? So, I had quite a few thoughts about Miss Gina. (laughs) I do think that it was, I mean, as I think most parents would, if you fall on hard times, they're probably not going to be like, nope, can't come home. Sucks Mm -hmm. for you. (laughs) But, like, so, I mean, I'm glad that she was like, sure, you're welcome anytime. Come back and you know, I'll, you know, have a place for you while you get back on your feet. But this woman was the biggest enabler I have ever met. <laughs> and I mean, like, come on, it even says Adam is 36 years old, but his mom is doing his laundry. She's cleaning after him. She's, she's cooking for him, which he does cook some. So I'll give him a little bit of a pat on that. But, and then she even is the one who gets him a job. Like, he didn't really want to get a job, but when she was like, well, you're home for three months, you probably should. He's like, okay. She takes it upon herself to make some phone calls and arrange a job for him. Like, yeah, I don't know. Someone that she really didn't want to talk to. Yeah. And I don't know. And then there's another concept called enmeshment. Have you heard of that? I have not. So I've listened to another podcast that covers enmeshment in detail, and it's a very interesting complex that's between a parent and child, most often seen between mother and son, Mm -hmm. where 
and it doesn't always happen this way, but like say a mom is either a single mom or she's not getting what she needs from her husband, she will um, raise her son to be her perfect partner. Like she will raise him in a way that he, the son, will turn out to be what she wants in a partner. And so she's not getting it from a husband or, you know, a partner at all. And so she's basically like not grooming, but in a sense, like picking what she wants the son to be and raising him so that he'll turn out that way. Okay. Uh, So that's kind of the, the gist of it, but it's a very like, I don't know. It's a very toxic way of raising a child with the expectation that they are going to be for your company or enjoyment like you want to raise a kid in my opinion to be independent and and not you know rely on you so heavily but for her being the enabler that she is and like Mm -hmm. literally doing everything for him like come on he's 36 years old he can do his own laundry he can clean Mm -hmm. up after himself but for Mm -hmm. her to do those things for him and then it talks about how he has one day off a week and she the mom automatically thinks that they're going to spend the whole day together. They're going to make steaks and have a quiet day, maybe go to the graveside. It's almost like she's planning a date. Mm. So that, that also reminded me of the enmeshment complex where um, like making your son be your perfect partner. Um, mm. And so she doesn't like that he goes out with the, the guys from work or that he plays in a band. She wants him at home all to herself. Um, And so she doesn't like, you know, complain really or detest might not be the right word, but she doesn't say like, nope, you can't come home. Like she would rather him come back so that she can have all of that attention for herself. Hmm. Uh, So anyway, to answer your question, no, I do not think she's a good mother. Yeah, I guess not. (laughs) Like if I don't know. And to me, just the enabling aspect of it is bad like if it's me and I have to move home because I lost my job and my you know all my stuff got stolen and whatever I do not want my parents calling around to their friends and begging them for a job for me like I will go to Amazon and deliver packages I'll go flip burgers at McDonald's whatever I've got to do to make ends meet but I am not gonna have somebody making calls to get that done for me yeah I think that you're just very different person than Adam because I don't get the (laughs) sense that Adam um like I think that his expectation in moving back was that he would take these three months for himself you know he'd Mm -hmm. lounge around the house he'd get his artistic voice back and his mother would essentially provide everything including spending money for him like he asked if he could have an allowance like no you can't yeah Um, you're 36 as you've said so to me like I think that yeah you're just like very different people and he's so annoying in the way that he does that I don't like she expect her to to cover all of his expenses yeah and the way he's like uh well I like probably can't pass like a drug test right now because he did some cocaine the first night that he was home and like first of all that's not even true that's like takes a couple days for it to get out of your system I had to google it to be sure but I'm certain about that one (laughs) and yeah he yeah I think that his idea was that he was going to lounge around and 
do nothing all day and she would provide yeah. everything including an allowance for him and yeah, to me I thought he was gonna get a free pass which if he had been like 22 fresh out of college like I need a couple months to get my life together and figure out my next plan can I live at home for a little while and can you help me out with some expenses that I would understand because you you haven't really like figured out your next move for somebody this old though who has that much money or at least did until he blew it all come on well I mean it doesn't sound like he had that much money but maybe not I don't know I I got the impression that he was getting royalty checks and like blowing it on drugs and whatever else. I think that it was, yeah, but I don't think he was at like a like tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah, like a few hundred thousand dollars only. <laughs> I mean, okay, I guess in this day and age, to me, that's not a lot of money. <laughs> like we've got somebody who's going to be a trillionaire sometime soon, you know. Um, For me, a couple hundred thousand dollars would be a lot of money. <laughs> I know, but in the spectrum of yeah. life, like, it also doesn't buy as much as it used to, right? Like, you could right. used to be able to buy a whole house with that, and now you can... Yeah. That's a whole different to- topic, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's not surprising to me that he enraged you, because to me, you guys are very different people, and he just has no drive, no passion. I, yeah, no drive, no passion, and just is fine with, like, somebody else... I don't know calling the shots and yeah yeah. no I was raised to be very independent I was doing my own laundry when I was 11 12 like yeah I definitely started that in middle school late middle school yeah like my parents definitely raised me to like if you want to if you want something you need to learn how to do it or you know whatever it is but yeah for somebody who's this old for him to just be like "Eh, my mom will do the laundry my mom will do the cleaning and the cooking no. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with living with your parents, but you should be contributing to this. Uh, yeah, and it was really the allowance thing and phrasing yeah. it as an allowance <laughs> that really caught me. <laughs> You're like, hold on a minute, a 36 year old getting an allowance. <laughs> yeah, I love it though. I want an allowance. Like, oh, I wish I could live like that. <laughs> uh, but who's to say? If they had, um, made that arrangement before he came home like hey mom can I come home for three months can you cover the expenses while I get my next move figured out like you know can I just have this time to collect myself if they had made that plan before he got there and they were good on both sides with that arrangement you know then whatever you would have given him an allowance or whatever but for him to just come home and expect that that was how it was going to be made me laugh (laughs) yeah that was funny how did you did you notice that there were like several times in this book where Kevin Wilson said something like she knew enough or she was hippie enough to know or she mm-hmm. knew from the earliest age? Yeah. All of this referring to Gina, of course. I did you notice he yeah, he like kept repeating that sort of phrasing and all it made me do was like I have this question in my notes like, did you know? Did you know enough? Were you hippie enough to know not to leave a voicemail after calling him six times while he was out? <laughs> at night? Like, I, yeah, I I really liked the repetition of that phrasing because it really drew like my attention to it and like really made me question if she knows what she's doing. Yeah, I think she's a little out of touch, even though she thinks she's cool and yeah. hip and whatever. But it also seems like Adam was always a troublemaker, though, because she said. My favorite quote from this whole book was, Adam, she knew from the earliest age, could not be trusted with anything that had the potential to ruin a life. Like, yeah. 
scathing review of your son. Yeah. Uh, she has a very low opinion of him, seemingly, but like still loves him a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's typical. I mean, for mothers to love their children, even if they are not that great. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. I also enjoyed the phrasing of uh, that she was swerving from the odor of the teenage boys in her backseat of her van. Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine like, how bad they must smell? Yeah, either they smelled that bad or she's being a little dramatic. Like, roll Probably the window. a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, roll the window down. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I feel like teenage boys would smell more of like Axe body spray than... <laughs> yeah in our day they definitely did yeah axe body spray would be enough to make me swerve yeah God, <laughs> that used to smell the worst you spray that anywhere indoors and you are out for yeah. two days so one thing that got my attention of adam is that it doesn't seem like he has too many real hardships in life mm-hmm. like yeah he has to move home because his band's gear got stolen so like yeah, that was probably a setback, getting your gear stolen. But he's easily able to move home. His mom buys his plane ticket. He runs out of money, but he's not motivated to work and get on his feet because he knows his mom will provide for whatever he needs. Mm-hmm. And one of the quotes that um, I was drawn to is in the scene, not the scene, but the part of the story when Dina and Adam are having that dinner on his one day off. And she's talking about, like, you know, see, things do work out. And and Adam says, to quote him, he says, things do seem to work out for me. It's like things get really bad, but somehow it all works out. And <laughs> I wonder what that could be, Adam. <laughs> and, like, I hate that. I hate the mentality of, like, victim mentality, like you were saying earlier um which you didn't say that specifically but like bad things happen to you and it's never your fault Mm -hmm. and and that kind of thing but then it's like like I was saying if if I'm in a bad season of life and I'm doing anything about it to better myself because I know that someone else will work things out for me that's privilege and yeah. <laughs> like Adam is just lazy and privileged and it never does like mention race in this story. I'm assuming he's white. He came from probably at least yeah. a middle class range family. He probably hasn't had too many real hardships and but yeah, like you know what? Things do usually work out for me and yeah. <laughs> having that mentality of like it's not my fault, but also like yeah, the things will work out. Somebody will somebody will pull yeah. some switches or pull some levers and get it done for me. Yeah, such yeah. a straight white man attitude for him to have. <laughs> yeah, that whole that whole um, interaction between them, I was like, wow, that's white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't and even you have no idea where he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Adam was pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah, you know. um, you actually, you said, when you were talking earlier about that enmeshment, I forgot. I didn't look at my notes and I remembered that Gina used to, she says that she, whenever she was lonely, she would listen to his hit song, Baby, You're Gonna Be Mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
like particularly loved the line because I love you because it's a secret just for you like you're right that that did feel a little weird at the time yeah and like the the concept the concept of enmeshment is really fascinating Uh, I've listened to several different podcasts and um that mention it one that had a therapist that goes into depth about like what it is and it's not always mother and son but that's what it's most commonly seen in yeah but yeah like a mom who almost is craving that that kind of almost like partnership love not child mother love yeah but yeah that that's another example of like oh I just miss him and I think that this song was written about me almost like a love song but like your kid yeah and it's really funny that the original version was um am I allowed to say bitch on our podcast (laughs) I mean that was that's in the it's in the book (laughs) um you have to put an explicit deck whoa whoa um (laughs) I really liked that the original title of the song was Bitch, You're Gonna Be Mine. And it's pretty telling that you're right. Because she says she never listens to that version. She only listens to the watered-down studio exec, you know, the glossed-over version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she wants it to be a certain way where she's getting love and affection and attention from her yeah. son. Um, because that's how she's... She's, like, perfectly picked what she wants him to be. Yeah. For her benefit. That's the yeah. main with um with enmeshment is that the the authority figure, the parent, the mother in this situation, is like cherry picking what she wants her son to be so that it benefits her. She's getting yeah. she feels the love, she feels the the attention and whatever from her sure. son that she's not getting from her husband or partner or whatever. In this case, her partner has died, so She's, yeah, fairly recently. I feel like that's probably playing into it. She might be a little bit depressed yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, and maybe so. But yeah, like, she's not physically getting anything from a partner, so she's seeking it anywhere else. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Very interesting story, though. Yeah. I. Uh, what did you think about her storing potato chips in the freezer? Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, it was kind of funny, and I kind of want to try it now. Surely <laughs> that doesn't actually keep them fresher, does it? I would imagine it does, right? I don't, I'm not eating a frozen chip. Okay, <laughs> I won't. I won't offer you any, but I think I'm gonna try it, and I'll keep you posted on the results. Put, put some like regular Lay's chips in there, but then also put like those like Cheeto puffs in there. I wonder what those would be like frozen. Okay, for science, of course. Yeah. Am I allowed to do it <laughs> with small bags, or do I have to do it with big bags? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, great. You can, you can manipulate the data how you see fit. <laughs> oh, no, don't even. <laughs> the last thing that I guess I wanted to mention was just a quick RIP to the BNA airport carpet because um, when he was talking about flying home and walking through the airport and going down the escalator, I was like, I can perfectly visualize this. I have been in this airport before. <laughs> yeah. He also just, like, bounced as soon as he found out there was money. He's like, all right, Mom, peace. I'm going back to Portland. Yeah, look at all these <laughs> donations that we're getting. Wait, what? I mean, I'm glad things are working out, but, like, are you sure? Like, don't leave me. <laughs> yeah. He's like, immediately. Oh, temporary thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think a better um, synopsis for this would be baby you're gonna be mine the title story 
is about a privileged rock star who moves back home during a rough patch. I don't think autistic <laughs> is the right word. I would have used oh, Okay. Because <laughs> he well, I... has some, like, victim complex and, like... Okay, okay. Yeah. Maybe not narcissistic. What about hedonistic? Okay, yeah. I could see that. Okay. Yeah. I feel like those are similar descriptors, but slightly different. Yeah, yeah. So, would you like to rate this short story? I would. What's our scale? Hmm. Freezer potato chips. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but is this? It's still a good scale, right? Five is still good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'd say I'd probably give it like a solid four. Okay. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the writing. I thought it was a good story. I guess it wasn't just, like, super compelling. Probably because the main character was just a dude, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd say, I was gonna say more, like, yeah, 3.8, somewhere around there. It was a good story, but yeah, just, it didn't have a whole lot going on, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. But still a very interesting family dynamic, like we said, and then, um, you know, the, the concept of enmeshment. And then whether or not Adam is a narcissist or a hedonist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yes, definitely privileged, 100%. Yeah. You can see that from a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> so the next story in this series of short stories is going to be Scroll Through the Weapons. Okay. It's also, I think it's the first story in Baby Okay. Dragon. Do you know how it starts, if it's the first story? No. Have you, okay. Well, when I was reading the NPR article about this book, they, it mentions the first few lines. Oh. It's very interesting. I'm excited. I was about to read the synopsis of it, if I could find it real quick. Scroll Through the Weapons is about a couple taking care of their underfed and almost feral nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Same story. That should be interesting. (laughs) So I'm going to pick that one for the second of our three Kevin Wilson short stories. So I think that that one will be, at least from the sounds of it, totally different from this one. So maybe we'll get a different taste of his short story writing abilities. Yeah, and another family dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And that one kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Nothing to See Here because they've mm-hmm. got some wild children. Maybe these yeah. also catch on fire. <laughs> Who's to say? I hope so. <laughs> and then, of course, our book for the month is Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Yes. Did you start that one yet or you just got it so that you're ready to start it? I read, like, the first chapter. Mm-hmm. And I have admired the cover many times. Yeah, I have too. It's a very pretty cover. Yes, many colors. Yeah. I'm excited to get into it. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Marianne and Wanda. We would love to hear your feedback and if you have any books or topics for us to review. You can reach us at Marianne and Wanda Podcast on Instagram. Or send us an email at Marianne and Wanda Podcast at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.